Hey guys, welcome to church. Let's get you some announcements. It's very important that you get these. Very important. Hey, coming up. August 26th. That's this upcoming Friday, isn't it? It is. It's the return of our family movie night. We're showing the movie The Bad Guys. Should be a lot of fun. That's this Friday at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. Free movie, free popcorn. It's a great time. Bring the family. Bring, bring everybody. Invite your neighbor. All that good stuff. This Friday, movie night. Also coming up soon, August 31st, the 31st, we're doing another jam night where all of our musicians, vocalists come in. You're invited. If you want to come, bring your instrument. It's all good. I'll have some chord charts. It's a lot of fun. Join us for that. Also, uh, coming back again is One More Youth. That'll be September 7th. We start that at 6 or 6.30. I forget which, but it's one of those two times. Say 6, and we'll be here at 6. One More Youth, that's for middle schoolers and high schoolers, like 7th grade through 12th grade. They have a great time. We'll have a lot of fun that night. We'll, we'll study the word, play some games, have some worship music, have pizza as well. So it's a great thing for the teenagers to be a part of. With all that said, it's about time for church. So you ready? Here we go. Woo! All right. We just had a very enthusiastic woo here. Um, Thank you for joining us online. We're getting ready to go. Worship's been great, so uh, we're glad that you can be with us in that. Then we're continuing on in our series on the fight. Really cool stuff today. Uh, so get your Bibles and get a cup of coffee and get comfortable and get ready because here we go. Woo! Good morning, everyone. I've got to say, that was really impressive. Yeah. It's like we've been practicing or something. My next dream is to get the wave going again. Wave. <laughs> it's not. We need I don't more know if practice. We're wide enough for that to be effective. It, it's, it's vertical. We you know. Yeah. True, it's, true. it's not not wide. But, no, you're right. But, you're well, right. Yeah. I was wrong. You just okay. just make sure we don't have to stand up to do that wave. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> the, the the enthusiasm from the senior pastor is on point there. <laughs> I don't want people engaged. Yeah. That's like, I just got my coffee, man. No. Okay. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hope you're enjoying your coffee. Uh, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know, we start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classes. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are in the fight part six today. And it's really, really good. But before we begin any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, this morning, we are just so grateful that we're your kids. That you went to the lengths you went to to bring us back into your family. And Papa, as we continue to press into the fight that we're all embroiled in, would you continue to keep our hearts and our ears softened and open? Papa, we want to receive what you have for us today. We want our lives to be changed by your word. So we say yes. We thank you for what you're already doing. 
And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this call. Lord God, let your merciful ears be open to the prayers of your people. And in order that we may obtain our requests, teach us to pray for those, th- those things that please you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you, taken eat it in remembrance of me. St. Mary took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration, cups of plagues and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, which cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There were his friends that night. Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance remembrance, what we call communion or Lord's Supper. He said, from now on, we get together and partake in this meal. I want you to remember me. So his friends gather this morning. We too can partake in this meal, the bread and the cup. The Bible of the Lord. Remember, give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. Want to remember how he died and rose again. Want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table are the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the Bible of the Lord. Table is open this morning to all who believe. Says we worship and you feel led by the Spirit. Go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I'd just like to encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We'll see the words pop up on the screen, so it's really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's time to worship Lay down 
We love you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence, God. 
You're so good to us, Lord, and we love you. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts to you. The Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our precious children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up to teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning. You're the first one here, Wesley. Good job. I hear somebody coming. They're coming. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm so excited because we're going to continue our true story and God's word found in First Kings, okay? So, as we have learned, right, God has made Solomon very, very wise, right? And he has given him a lot of riches, right? So there's nothing that he lacks. He has everything he needs, right? But guess what? Although Solomon, King Solomon loved the Lord, he disobeyed the Lord. The Lord told him to not marry women from other nations, right? But he did. And these women, right, caused him to worship other gods. Yeah, that's a big no-no, right? And he even built an altar to the God so that he could go there and worship this other God, right? I know. Remember how he had built a temple for the Lord to meet with his people? Well, he built another temple for another God. And that was really not good because his example led others. Good job. Yeah, his led others to worship other idols, right? So the Lord told Solomon, he told them, Because you have done this, I will take the kingdom away from you, right? And you will be king for the rest of your, of the time that you're alive, but your son will only rule over one kingdom, right? And guess what? Guess what, guys? It's okay. It's it's okay. (laughs) Okay. So guess what happened? One time, one of Solomon's workers, his name was Jeroboam, he was walking along the road and he saw a prophet, right? And the prophet had a coat and the prophet took off his coat and then he started to tear it up into 12 pieces and he gave, um, he gave Jeroboam 10 pieces. And guess what? That's our Bible verse. It tells us what happened. It says, then the prophet, he said to Jeroboam, Take 10 of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon. I know. And I will give 10 of the tribes to you. So when Solomon died, his son, Rehoboam, he became king. But guess what? Nobody wanted him to be king. They were like, no, he is so mean to us. I know. Yeah, so then they made Jeroboam, right, king over them. So that's when the kingdom of God split. So Jeroboam got the northern kingdom, right? And then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, got the northern king, the southern, wait, northern kingdom was Jeroboam. The southern kingdom was Rehoboam, right? And he only 
oversaw over one of the tribes, right? Yeah, that was really, really sad. Well, guys, because Solomon sinned against the Lord because he didn't listen, it caused the kingdom to split, to be divided, right? And God's people needed a perfect, perfect king. And God sent Jesus to be that king. Jesus is the perfect king that unites his people, that brings his people together. Isn't that awesome? I know, right? So exciting. Okay, are you guys ready to say the Bible verse with me? So this is what the prophet told Jeroboam, right? Okay, then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten of these pe- of these pieces. Take ten of these pieces. Very good. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom. Good job. From the hand of Solomon. I, and I will give ten good job of the tribes to you excellent job everyone children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and then uh, Pastor Georgina will pray for them and they'll head off to children's church all right, guys. There you go. Okay. All right, guys. Now we're going to pray. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. Okay. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for our kids, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that they're here to listen to your voice, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that they will always follow your voice, Lord God, and that they'll always fight to be united, Lord God. In Jesus' name, what do we say, everyone? Amen. All right, good job. Now you can go to class. Good job, everybody. Have fun. And uh, I would like to say happy anniversary to my bride. Happy anniversary. Uh, Today is 40 years for us. 40 years. So what's what's our secret? Do you know? What's our secret? You know, people ask you that. Well, what's your secret? Well, I, I have a... One thing is, guys, you should always know your wife's favorite flower. It's Pillsbury, isn't it? Right, because I can't even eat it because yeah. I have celiac. He just will like a laugh. So that had, but she that set me up for that. I wasn't expecting it. I tossed that joke in the middle of the service last time. So well, thank you, you for the got, setup. Got Always it. appreciate that. Happy Moving right along. Forty years. Yeah, it's very cool. cool. Yeah, very, it is. Very cool. It's very good. cool. They were taking bets at our wedding. My brothers were. They were. They were. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Good. But I don't think there was a pot. Like, we would have won the money if there was a pool, right? Of oh, the how bets. long we yeah. lasted? <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't only heard part of what oh, you said. So. But then you were talking about pot. And no. I'm like, what? <laughs> Can't win. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
I'm confused now. Did I say hi, everybody online? Hi. Thanks for watching. Glad you're with us. If you're a new time, uh, new time, first time guest, I'm, ta- I'm just, uh, yeah, here we go. If you're a first time guest or visitor, that little code there is for you. Point your smart device at it. With the camera on, you'll get a link to our digital connect card, name, phone number, email. Please fill that out. Over the next five or six weeks, you will get a number of uh, texts and emails from us welcoming you, asking you questions, telling you some stuff. It's good. Also, there's a gift for you at Guest Services, first-time guests. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out. We also make a priority of praying for our neighbors. It's something that I'm hoping you're doing every day, and then corporately we do it when we gather. So... Think about a couple of your neighbors right now. Just get a couple of them there in your mind's eye and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we pray for our neighbors. We lift them up to you, God. We ask that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways and that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, God, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep it up. Praying is like, the, it's like our number one thing. It's the best thing we can do, and it makes a huge difference in the lives of our neighbors. God planted you where he planted you for the sake of your neighbors. So think about that. Yes, we're going to continue on in our series called The Fight, and uh, I got a quick intro to do, but I'm going to do that after the jokes and the scripture reading. So let's do the, uh, the bad jokes so we've been married 40 years. Back in, back in our day, we had cassette tapes, which had a side A and a side B. So it's only logical that its successor would be the CD. Good job. The difference between Iron Man and Aluminum Man? Iron Man stops the bad guys. Aluminum Man just foils their plans. Either way, right? Either way, it's a win. So, All right, last one real quick. My favorite. Yes. Why did the crab cross the road? It didn't. It used the sidewalk. Yes. I'm going to go over here so you yes. can pray for us and do the scripture yes. reading. Wait, here I go. This, yeah, good job. This, that was extra. The, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Thank you for coming back every week. We're so grateful. Let's, <laughs> let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Oh, thank you, Father, for the laughter and the lightheartedness that you bring us. Father, thank you that indeed you fill the room. We thank you for your healing that comes when you're in our midst. And Lord, I pray today that you would be with us, that you would indeed come back and fill our hearts, Father, as we learn more of you. I would ask today that the Prince of Peace would come and bring peace into every broken place. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? This is probably one of my favorite portions of scripture. It's out of the book of Colossians, chapters, er, chapter 1, 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, 
things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, so here we go. We're talking about spiritual battle, and I've given you a lot of information in this series already, and I can't keep giving it all to you, or I can't go move it forward. So if I say anything that you didn't hear me say before, go back and watch the last couple where I've done pretty good intros about what's happening. But even as you read, like I had Alice read that scripture reading. And it talked about heavens and earth. My hope is now when you see that, you, you don't think of heaven as being millions of miles away and earth is just this picture of the sort of the globe and your mind spinning around. That you, you think about the, the heavenly space or divine space and the earth space, the human space. And that that's what God created and that um, there's a divine family, a spiritual family and an earthly family, a human family. God's heart was to have a place where all of us could be together, where heaven and earth would overlap, and that was the heart of God. Um, but we messed things up along the way because he gave us the ability to make choices. We've all made bad choices. Some of the uh, spiritual beings make bad choices, and it messes up the the way things work. God never gives up on that plan, though, as we've talked about, and that's coming. But... Uh, but things changed. And uh, over this five weeks, we basically spent five weeks talking about the first 11 chapters of Genesis. In the first point in just a moment, we're going to talk about all of the rest of the Old Testament up to the time of Jesus. So I am changing the speed of things. So we're going to talk a whole lot faster than I've been talking. No, just teasing. So let me say what I want you to remember for, for now is that there were, there were three rebellions right? The fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel we spent time on. The result of each of those, there was a covenant that God made. He makes a covenant with Adam, he makes a covenant with Noah, and he makes a covenant after the Tower of Babel with Abraham. And so we have three rebellions and three covenants. Remember that because we're going to talk about three more covenants today as we take a quick look at Israel's history. Now, I have spent a lot of time over the last few years with you in a number of series talking about Israel's history. So I don't feel like I need to go through it in the depth that I have, but we're going to make some connecting points as we move to the arrival of Jesus on the scene. So where we left it last week was this verse in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the covenant that God makes with Abraham. 
Um, remember, he makes that because at the Tower of Babel, what we saw was the nations being divided because they wouldn't do what they were supposed to do and given sort of over to the control of parts of the spiritual family, the Elohim, divided into 70 nations in Genesis 10 because we, we kept saying, God, we don't want you. And, and so he never stops loving his human family, but he said, fine, and he gives them to the, uh, the control of these um, spiritual families. Now, not, not that they started bad, but we do know that um, all of them were corrupted over time of the ones that had this authority. And, and so they're the, the, what's behind the issues that we have today. We'll talk more about that later. But 70 nations, God keeps one nation for himself, Israel. He's going to start over with Israel once again. And through Israel, everyone will have a way back, all nations. He never gives up. That's just what's happening. So he starts with his family, Israel, and it would be great if I could tell you they did everything right, but there's another series of rebellions that happens because they continue to act like people, and that's what we have. But you need to know that, so we had, we had Abraham, then we had Isaac, then we had Jacob. You'd have to read this, the rest of Genesis. I can't do it all for you there, kids. Then we had Joseph. Big deal. At the end of Genesis, what we have is Isaac, now, or Jacob, now Israel, and 70 members of his family moving to Egypt. So Joseph can take care of them. God will take care of them there. And then we have them moving into 400 years of slavery and bondage. And then God rises up, and he rescues them. He delivers them, and that's known as the Exodus. We've talked a lot about the Exodus. And in that whole process, you know, there's those 10 plagues that happen. Each one of those, now if you go look back, you'll see that big G God is demonstrating his authority over the little G gods. Each one of those plagues represents one of those little G gods and what they're doing. And God demonstrates he alone is God. He rescues his people from slavery and bondage. He brings them through the Red Sea, and he moves them and starts them on the journey towards the promised land, stops at a mountain where he gives them ten words. God likes to do things in tens. It's neat. When he spoke into creation, ten times. Go read it. God said, God said ten times. Now he brings his people, and he gives them these ten words. We often call that the Ten Commandments. The problem is when people read it like Ten Commandments or Ten Laws, they think, okay, that's what we have to do in order to be saved. It's not. They were saved before that happened. God rescues and delivers them because he loves them. After he does that, then he says, listen, here's how you're supposed to live. This is what it looks like to live as my human family. Love God all in, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what's happening in the beginning of Exodus. That's what's all wrapped up in those 10 words. At the same time, the realization that we never hold up our end and we always go our own way and we live selfishly, it also brings in uh, how horrible sin is and that there's a cost for sin. And you see a series of sacrifices instituted. We also get tabernacle out of that. God says we're going to build a tabernacle because he wants that place still where heaven and earth connect. And we blew that at the fall. So this comes through the Exodus. And uh, uh, he makes his covenant with Moses there. That's the next one, the fourth covenant. And it's all wrapped up in these ten words and the things that are happened. Then he says to his people, listen, you need to go in to the promised land that I have for you. It's an amazing, amazing land. They send some spies in. Everybody with me still? The spies go in. What happens when the spies come out? Ten of them say there's a problem in the land. What's the problem? Stupid giants. Stupid giants. Why do you say it like that? Well, we got the, remember last week we talked about the giants and the, the Nephilim, 
two weeks ago, and wherever we were when we talked about the flood. And I said, those giants, they're, they're what was produced when the evil sons of God mated with the daughters of Eve, the beautiful daughters uh, of humans, and they made Nephilim and giants, something completely different than we had. These giants, these Nephilim, destroy humanity, destroy humanity. But when you go and read Genesis 6, when it's written, remember it's written after the Exodus here, when it says, it says, hey, we got giants even now. Well, why, did, why is there still giants? We thought the flood took care of the giants. Apparently, the fallen Elohim got up to their same tricks again, and they've made more giants. And most of them are hanging out in the promised land at this point. And so God says, listen, go take, you got to, and here's where a lot of people get really upset with God in the Old Testament, because he seems like he's, because he says, go wipe all these people out. And they go, that's not the God I know. He, God is taking care of the giant problem. He has to. Giants ruin humanity. And these are the, the places where he goes and says, you got to destroy them. Those are giant clans. He can't flood the earth again. He made a covenant. So now he gives it to this family that he saved. You got to take them out. And so Joshua and Caleb, they were the two spies that, uh, that was, we can do it. Eventually, 40 years later, they head in. Joshua begins that process and he does go and deal with some of the giant problem, giant mess, but he doesn't complete it. Israel continues to sort of go their own way. And we run into then a, a period of the judges. You should read that. That's a horrible time in Israel because everyone just does what's right in their own eyes. That's about as bad as you can get. Uh, and mess after mess after mess, God moving in, redeeming, but mess after mess after mess moves into the kings. So now we got the kings. The first king, Saul, he, he starts okay, but he, he doesn't make it. Saul mostly cares about himself. Lots of problems with Saul. Not a good situation. So we're going to get the second king in their history. That's David. David is a good king. He's far from perfect, though. You need to know that. And, and you read about David... And he's called a man after God's own heart. And God actually makes a covenant with David and says, out of your line is going to come a forever king, a perfect king. But it's kind of hard to square a little bit with David in this whole, why is he a man after God's own heart? Because you can read about him. He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. And he's very violent. And you sort of have to wrestle through what's going on. And I, you know, I'm, he, he repents really well, which is a big deal. It means there's some humility in there because it's, he, the king before him, Saul, was a fake repenter. And uh, that didn't go over well. David sincerely repents. David loves God. Um, even though he he's makes you know bad choices like all of us, he really does love God. But here's what I think is the big deal in all of this that you need to hold on to now that you got the story. Is that David finishes uh, circles. And by that, I mean he goes after the giants that are left. And he wipes out. He takes out Goliath, and his men take out Goliath's four brothers. And then you can read about David making these raids, all the time being pursued by Saul. And he's going to these nations, and he's taking, he's taking them out. Why? They're giant clans, and they didn't get dealt with. He's finishing the circles in the beginning. And I think, I think that's really important to God, that God's, God's really concerned about you know our desire to love him and to honor him and to obey him to the best of our ability and, and uh, that he looks to that. And, and so David finishes these circles and I think that's why that covenant happens. And I like this story of finishing circles because uh, it's something that we talk about. So years, I, I, this comes up because this week I was in, um, I butted into a phone conversation my son was having with uh, Ben Dorfel. Uh, his brother-in-law. 
And uh, a lot of these guys um, were here eight, ten years ago, and I spent time with, uh, there was a big group of them, and worked them through the Bible Institute, and mentored them, and gave them a lot of ministry things, and so we had a lot of them doing that stuff. And cool, a bunch of them are involved in ministry now all over the place, and that's, that's really cool. But the, the thing that I, I used to try and impact them with was, not only were we teaching Bible and ministry, was that this was a huge deal. Finish your circles. And, and Alice and I go back and forth because she's pretty sure that it was her who came up with the term. And here's what you do after 40 years of marriage. You're right, honey. It was you. <laughs> I would teach these guys, finish your circles. And you, you got to know young, young people. And even lots of people aren't good at finishing circles. What do I mean by finish the circle? Like, for example, if, if you notice that something is not working, broken and you need a screwdriver to fix it, and you go and you get the screwdriver, and you take the screwdriver, and you come back, and you fix whatever it is, or at least you try to, um, if you finish your circles, you will then take that screwdriver back to where you originally got it and put it back. That's a nice finished circle. Most people get the screwdriver, and for whatever reason, it never goes back to where it comes from, ever, ever. And when you're dealing with a lot of young people, they're really bad at it. And I would come into the facility almost every day, and all I would see was unfinished circles, and it would make me crazy. And I was always on, finish your circles, finish your circles, please, finish your circles, it's the most important thing. And then, and when Ben's on the phone with my son the other day, and they're talking computer nerd stuff, um, I butt into the conversation, he's on speakerphone, Ben, how you doing? Good. You finishing your circles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When they were younger... They were doing this thing. I was coming in every day, and all the little carpets that we have around here, we had them. They were always sideways and askew, and the end chairs on the rows were always... And I was like, what, is, what are they doing? What is going on here when I'm not here? And I couldn't figure it out until one day I walked in, and that was a big mess. And back in the back, I can still see very clearly, plugged into the wall were these two electric go-karts that, that if you were their size, you know, 140-pound guys, you could sit in and drive around the room. And they were having nightly go-kart races inside the facility and wrecking the place. And apparently everyone on staff knew but me. And there were the, all of a sudden everything opened up. And I was like, that's why everything is always a mess. Because they had forgotten they had left the carts charging in the back. They thought they would come back and finish that circle and put them away so I didn't see them, and they hadn't done it, and guess what happened? I shut that whole thing down. (laughs) At least I think I did. They did it at night. I'm always asleep. I don't really know. But I said to them, see, if you'd have finished this circle, you could have kept this going for a lot longer. Finish your circles. All right, I'm way off track. David gets a covenant with God there, and the perfect king's going to come. Because David's a man after God's own heart, finishes his circles. And then, and so that's five covenants now. Try and remember the, the, so there was rebellion and covenant, time after time. If you can remember these, I'm going to give you six and all. Uh, if you can remember these covenants, you can hang on to the whole story. Covenant with Adam, covenant with Noah, covenant with Abraham, covenant with Moses, covenant with David. One left. Which one is that? New covenant. He's going to make a new covenant. After the time of the kings and with David and all those cool things happen, Israel rebels again in a bad way. They're taken off into exile. While they're in exile, 
The prophets begin to speak, in particular two of them, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and they start talking about a new covenant. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He's, he's saying, listen, you're, you're so prone to rebellion. What's going to happen in the new covenant is that Ho- Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you to be able to live differently. It's really cool that that's what's happening. So, so we have these rebellions that you've seen, and we have these promises. God makes these covenants. Cool thing about covenants is that God's always faithful to keep his end of the deal. We're never. We never do. Our, we're faithless. He is faithful. And he's going to take care of all the covenants, fulfilling them when Jesus enters the scene. This is the, the coolest thing as we continue to press on, that God loves us so much that ultimately what he has to do is he he has to come. God has to come to fix the mess. Fully God, fully man, Jesus enters the scene. Jesus is the the perfect imager of God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, we, We see him move and live in a way that he models for us what God always intended it to look like, modeling for us uh, humanity as it was intended to be. We see him uh, taking this perfect sinless life and willingly going to the cross on our behalf where uh, he pays for sin, all sin, all time. He, he goes there and offers his perfect, sinless, amazing, fully God, fully human self. And in so doing, he defeats the power of sin. And then he dies, but he's resurrected. And in so doing, he defeats the power of death. Those are the two things that I tell you happened. The big things happened at the fall. Power of sin, power of death, end of the world. This is a reversal of those things. And it all takes place for us at the cross. And I love this passage. It's one of my favorites. John 1. And so I've got it in there and I want to read it. It's so cool. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word uh, was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that... uh, Through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Thank you, Jesus. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize them. He came to that which was own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He, he, that's his, after his family. He wants his family, his human family, to be reconciled to him. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The Word, Jesus, God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word there is, he tabernacled among us. The, he's the perfect uh, picture of a heaven and earth uh, connection is all in Jesus. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so we have this movement. Jesus enters the scene. And the, the big deal is what I already told you is all about the cross and how he defeats the power of sin and the power of death. And that is the big deal. But you also need to know that he, he takes care of each of the covenants, all of them taken care of in Jesus. Every single one of them. 
the, the one with uh, way back with Adam. And, and in that covenant, there's going to be, he's, the enemy's going to strike his heel, but he crushes the head of the enemy. That's Jesus there at the cross with Noah. There's the covenant that, that basically talks about new creation. I'm never going to do that to the earth again. And we have the promise of Revelation 21 and the heavenly city coming down in the connection. And what we see is Jesus is the picture, the first of new creation. It was in Alice's verse. He, he's the representative. He starts new creation happens with Jesus when he defeats death and rises again. He's, he's the, the representative Israel, if you would, Jesus, he comes and he makes a way for all nations, all peoples to be reconciled back to God, fulfilling that covenant with Abraham. Moses, the covenant with him. Jesus fulfills the law perfectly. He's the only one who ever could and who ever did, and he takes care of everything that was caught up in that covenant with Moses, the one with David. He is in the lineage of David, and he's the perfect king, the only king who ever did what needed to be done. This is an extra bonus for you, even though I don't have time. The kings were told, they were told, don't multiply you to yourself. Horses, wives, and money. Horses, don't do those things. Kings, if you're, if you're going to be a king, don't multiply yourself. Horses, wives, and money. Do you know that every single king did exactly that except for King Jesus? No money, no wives. And he rides in on a donkey. There's so many things in the scripture connecting what's taking place and how it all works together. He's the perfect king in response to this covenant with David. He also it needed to come and do what he did, defeat sin, defeat death, rise again, and then he's going to ascend into heaven. And then what happens? Holy Spirit comes, which is how we move into the new covenant because Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to live this life that we have. And you need to know that that's how we get prepared for this battle. See, that the Jesus defeated the enemy, all of it, all of that mess. He defeats them all at the cross. They're defeated but not departed. Just because they've lost, they don't stop. They're not stopping until Jesus comes back. And they're not just playing dead and rolling over and taking it easy. They're full on, still after everything and everyone that they can get to. And that's the battle that we're in. But you need to know, when you come to know Jesus, everything changes. If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, whoo, don't you? Resurrection power, we're ready for this battle. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That's what was happening. It's new covenant is all about. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, you will, you are saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You need, at the end of every message, I say that because that's the most important thing. That's where all of this engages. That's where life is, giving your life to Jesus. And so we have Jesus coming. He goes to the cross. He does what needs to be done. He reverses everything that happened at the fall, fulfills all the covenants that we saw because of the rebellion. I want to say one last thing. I'll do this part in three minutes, I promise. Well, I shouldn't promise. I try. Don't underestimate the enemy. So now we're moving into battle. We're we're going to be talking about the armor of God and prayer in the weeks ahead. Next week, though, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit. We're going to finish that one up because that's really important because that's so cool. I think sometimes when it comes to the enemy, either either we make everything about him, but that's not it because there's a lot of us mess in there. Or culturally now, we've actually, well, we don't believe in 
the devil. We don't believe in that stuff. That's all myth. That's not really happening. And it's one of his big tricks and deceptions is to make you think he's not real and that all these rulers and powers and principalities, now that you know where they come from, now that's not really what's going on. But you need to know that we have an enemy, that he's intelligent, he's deceptive, he's crafty. They should pluralize them. Uh, And they're after us. There's a battle going on. We're engaged in a battle whether we think we are or not. You have everything that you need for the battle, all the armor, you have Holy Spirit, but you need to make sure you've got your target set. Because too often what happens is we see things happening and we think it's about people. Even though we're told this battle, this war is never against flesh and blood. Ever, ever, ever. It's always against these rulers, powers, and principalities that are behind everything. But we'll focus on people and we'll make them the target and we're never engaged in the battle where it belongs. It's not people. They're just deceived. They need to come to know Jesus. They need to be reconciled back to God. We can only do that when we're doing what we're called to do, loving people and moving in the fruit of the Spirit and all those cool things. So we're engaged in this battle, but we have a very real enemy that we need to be aware of. I think sometimes people underestimate him because they think, well, if he's really so smart, if he's everything you said, well, then why did they kill Jesus? They should have just left him alone. They wouldn't know what's going on. They knew what was happening. See, the, the thing is, they didn't know what was happening. They know a lot of things, and they can read the Bible, but... The, the way God is going to do this is hidden in there until after you see it. It's hidden in plain sight. Is what I say. Paul, I love how Paul talks about this. He says, listen, we do, 1 Corinthians 2, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, this evil age. We've talked about that a lot. Or who the rulers of this age, you know who they are now, those little G gods, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Planned before the foundation of the world. None of the rulers of this age, bad little G-gods, understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they'd have known what was going to happen, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. They wouldn't have been behind all that. They wouldn't have let that happen. They know who Jesus was. You can see it in the temptations and the way they refer to him. They wouldn't have let that happen, but they didn't know. Why? Because... God's love for his human family is so intense that he makes sure that they can't figure it out the way that he's going to make a reconciliation possible. So it's, he hides it in the scriptures in plain sight. I love that. It's not that they're not intelligent, extremely intelligent enemy. It's just you can't see it until after it happens. Here's the, my favorite verse about this. I'm, gonna, I'm almost done. It's back in 2 Samuel 7. This is the covenant that God makes with David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offering, your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And you might read that and think, well, maybe they're talking about Solomon who comes and builds the temple. Uh uh. Here's what's so cool. And you can see it after what takes place at the cross. All the New Testament guys saw it afterwards. And that's what makes them go, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring. You know that word raise there? It's the word for resurrect. Hadn't happened before. The enemy couldn't plan for it. He didn't know it was possible. But because Jesus, fully God, fully man, has the power to overcome death, everything changes there. 
And when the guys see it on this side of the cross, looking back, they're like, <gasps> look what's going on. See, that's how much God loves his human family. He's going to protect the way back so that nothing can get into it and destroy it. And he still loves his human family just like that. He wants us to be aware of what's happening in the battle so we engage. And that's what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. But that's enough cool stuff for today. Ministry team, those of you over there, why don't you head over the wall? I took five minutes, not three. I apologize. Listen. I said it in this message today. That was There's gospel, good news in that message. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, died and rose again, all which was according to the scripture on our behalf. That's the good news. What we have to do, Romans 10, 9 to 10, is we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and then we're saved. Look, if you've never prayed a simple prayer that gets this whole thing started, that reconnects you to God, that reconciles you as part of God's human family, That's what it is. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? If you've never done that, do it today. Best decision you will ever make. Holy Spirit comes. Things begin to change. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Such a good prayer. Both Georgina and I got a word during worship, and I got mine during the end when Douglas was singing, fill the room, fill the room. And if you've ever received like homemade jam in a ball mason jar or something homemade, you know, in a ball, that just saw all these ball mason jars filled with fruit and they represented the fruits of the spirit and they were filling the room and they're all for your taking. So if you need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, they're homemade and they're made by God. Just take them. Take what you need. Georgina. That was really good. I like that one. Okay, so earlier during the 8 o'clock service, um, I just got this impression that somebody needed to know that God will keep his promise to you. Sometimes we think it's so general, but it's not. It will keep his promise to you even in your sadness and loneliness, right? And even then, he tells us that in this world, we will have troubles, but that he has overcome the world and that this trial will have an end. Good job. Like that. Fear not. I have overcome the world. Good, good, good. Ah, clicker. Thank you for your amazing generosity, church. Your faithfulness to give. We sent the, the food truck was able to go to the opening of the Rotary Park in Marathon yesterday and we blessed huge numbers of people with free ice cream and free coffee and uh, they make floats uh, that I haven't had but I hear about with ice cream. They had somebody else doing snow cones but we do. We can do that. Anyway, all that's possible because you. You're generous. Thank you for letting that happen and we appreciate it. Let's sing doxology and we will go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. 
May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Prayers over there if you need it. These doors will be open for you. Head out this way. Looks Oh, it's raining out there now. So I was about to say it looks nice, but it doesn't look nice. Looks wet. Stay dry. Have fun. Be kind. That's a big deal. Love you guys. See you soon. God bless you guys. Hope it's dry where you are. It is pouring down out there right now. But uh, we're not going anywhere because we got another service. We do. Uno mas. But we we care about all these people now that are exiting into the ring. Although the sunshine. You know how it's like down here. It's crazy like that. Uh, Good. Next week, Holy Spirit. Looking forward to that. This weather report brought to you by Pastor Steve. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.